0: Good evening, everyone. Last week, we talked about the life and works of a doctor and scientist named William K. Livingston, who was one of the earlier scientists to write that pain is both a biological and psychological phenomenon. Pain is related to physical sensations, but it is also modified by your state of mind. This fundamental idea was to be very influential, and was also passed on to his students, including two folks named Ron Melzack and Patrick Wall. Now, last week, Livingston, through observation, was quite certain that pain was both physiological and psychological, but didn't really have a biological explanation for it. He had seen that pain could be affected by your state of mind, but also that it was to some degree related to the actual painful stimuli as well, but his work did not turn up the way the body could actually do this stuff. This week, we'll talk about the two scientists who proposed the specifics there. To start, let's talk about Ronald Melzac, who was born to working-class parents in a Jewish section of Montreal back in 1929. Although their family was poor while Melzac was growing up, his father saved up enough money to open a bookstore, which eventually became a frequent hangout of some fairly prominent writers. Thanks to this, Melzac and his brothers received a very unique education through informal channels. While they had less opportunities to go to school, regularly interacting with a bunch of esteemed authors and being surrounded by books will still make you smarter. Melzac wasn't sure what he wanted to do with those smarts, but he did manage to get into McGill University, and then nearly failed out of the school in his first year. As many a college freshman has done, he tried a variety of classes and hated all of them, until finally he found psychology. From early on, Melzack was interested in the study of pain. For example, he studied how dogs don't like umbrellas opening or balloons being inflated, which I too have noticed in my own pup. Weirdly though, he noticed that dogs with less life experience would approach a lit match to sniff it. Then they would recoil when it burned them, but then would keep returning to sniff it. This indicated to him that reactions to pain were to some degree learned, which fascinated him for the rest of his life, and likely played a role in his future work we'll talk about. Before we move on, now let's talk about Patrick Wall's early life, which was very different from Melzack's. Wall was born in Nottingham in the modern-day United Kingdom to a director of education and his wife. In contrast to Melzac, who had very little access to formal education, Wall was literally born into it. He greatly admired his biology teacher, who wrote in their final report quote, Patrick has an immense capacity for work, and he should use it to cover the widest possible ground whilst he has the opportunity. Considering we're talking about him in this podcast, that teacher clearly wasn't wrong. Wall then went on to study at Oxford and studied medicine quickly developing an interest in the nervous system. By the time he was 21, he had already published articles in Brain and Nature, which, if you're not a scientist, are generally considered the most prestigious journals in neurology and general science, respectively. That is to say, a big deal. All this was accomplished before he even reached the modern-day drinking age. In 1948, he set out to the United States to research the nervous system, which I assume is how he met Melzack and Livingston, although I cannot find a source to exactly confirm this. Wall believed that to succeed in science, you had to choose an important subject that no one else is looking at, write a book about it, and start a journal. He accordingly did all of this, and to this day the journal Pain is one of the top journals about the subject, and he co-edited one of the first authoritative textbooks on Pain. It was around the mid-20th century that these two, working together and having learned much from Livingston, would come up with what they called gate control theory, which postulated the specific biology behind the observations that Livingston had made. This theory generally asserts that there are nerves, which can be controlled by the brain, that inhibit the activity of nerves that bring signals of pain to the brain. Although of course, the actual theory is a good bit more detailed. They also identified two types of nerves that carried different types of pain signals, one being intense sudden pain that usually causes an immediate reaction, and the other being chronic throbbing pain. They first put this theory into the public sphere with their article in the journal Science back in 1965, and they even drew a diagram to explain why we often rub painful areas. The touch stimulates the nerves which impede the pain, lessening the overall experience of our pain. I'm sure almost every listener can relate to that experience. I myself stubbed my toe a few days ago, and remember rubbing on it after doing so. The paper was initially met with a bit of skepticism, and while criticism is always healthy in science, in this case it was partially unfounded. Although years and years of continued research would reveal that Melzack and Wall's descriptions of nerves and their connections was a bit too simple, the big-picture idea of some nerves that inhibit nerves that carry pain signals still holds to this very day, and it represented a significant leap in our scientific understanding of pain and how it works in the body. It also paved the way for new treatments, or at least more progress on old treatments, which is what we'll talk about next week, specifically some improvements to the electrotherapy of old. As always, thanks for listening. If you've got thoughts on the show, please let me know using the links in the show notes, and if you enjoy the show, please tell a friend about us or leave a rating. Thanks also to Jojo Tang for editing, Angie Lee for our cover art, and Muse Open for this music.